Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we're back <laughs> with a very interesting episode uh, lined up for us today. Um, we have with us today a very special guest with us, um, here to talk about some animated films from Japan, <laughs> um, and what they mean and what not. Um, Wina. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it sounds very wrong. <laughs> Yeah, well, that wrong and right is very subjective. Um, we, we can talk about that later. Um, yes, we have with us uh, Wina. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I introduce you? I mean, maybe... Uh, I'm are, you, one, are, you, are you a lecturer? Are you, uh, I'm one of Fikri's colleagues. One of Fikri's <laughs> colleagues, uh, yes. That narrowed it down, right? Okay. That narrows it down, yeah. But I don't know, maybe there's something else that you do on a more full-time basis. <laughs> Than just being Fikri's colleagues. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure your life is defined um, by right. more than just our professional relationship. So. Uh, well, yeah, I met you at um, Jakarta International College, which I also teach some of the classes here. Hmm. Um, really interesting because Fikri's for next semester is going to teach one of the subjects that I used to teach, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And one of the subjects is called media studies. Yeah. And apparently, um, well, one of the subjects is actually talking about movies and analyzing it. I'm not really good because I'm just coming from a point of view of someone who likes to analyze and like to watch films. Uh, no background whatsoever in terms of like film studies. But I do enjoy watching films, and I do have actually a particular taste. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't know what you mean when you say that you're not very good, because I think ultimately when it comes to talking about films, the only criterion that requires fulfilling is, is a deep-seated love for, for films. And, yeah. and looking at films beyond what is presented on screen, but also um, the deeper meanings that uh, lies beneath, right? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think... Um, is is good enough for now and also uh, bagi tuan-tuan dan puan sekalian yang sekarang sedang mendengar kepada podcast ini dan se- mungkin berfikir oh Allah kenapa mereka ni dok omong bahasa Inggeris well it's going to be a mix and match i think for the most part um, kerana Wina adalah seorang warga negara Indonesia okey jadi kita boleh cuba Memertabatkan lagi penggunaan bahasa kita Dengan menggunakan bahasa Malaysia dan bahasa Indonesia But to be honest with you guys uh, I think we'll uh, At least for both of us will uh, be falling back largely onto English I think <laughs> Not really bahasa Indonesia Bahasa Jakarta kali ya Bahasa Jakarta I'm saying logue or something like that Logue, alright Well, she say logue, I say highgue Get it? <laughs> Low high <laughs> Anyways we're moving on to <laughs> right. the, the topic of the discussion for today, which is the, um, I don't know, what can we say, the, the shutdown of Studio Ghibli? Um, it was Ayao Miyazaki retirement? Yes, exactly. Um, Studio Ghibli, of course, is the very well-known uh, Japanese animation studio that was created, founded, if you like, uh, partly by Hayao Miyazaki. Um, and a number of other people, and we're going to get into them in a short while as well, but um, the, from, I guess, the mid-80s up until um, late last year and this year and whatnot, mm-hmm. they've been producing films on a fairly consistent basis, not necessarily annually, right? No, it's not like every year there's a Ghibli film out, mm-hmm. but all the same, um, officially on Wikipedia at least, they've produced 20 films, most of which were very well received, not just in Japan, but way beyond, right? Yeah. Okay, of course, I think uh, the very fact that the both of us are not Japanese is a testament <laughs> to the universality of, yeah. of such films, right? So, we're going to be looking at the, the whole thing that is Studio Ghibli. Um, uh, basically, uh, the news announced previously was of uh, the fact that they, they want to take a break, really. Um, oh, yeah. It's from the star.com.my. Yeah, this is um, an online... Uh, news portal for mm-hmm. the Star newspaper in Malaysia. Um, it was announced basically yeah. in September that, uh, unfortunately, with Miyazaki seeming to actually make good on his eventual promise that you know what I'm going to retire and retire. Dia dah berapa banyak kali dah kan? He's done it for a number of 
of times over the past decade or so where he said that, okay, I'm going to retire, and I'm going to retire, and this is going to be my last film, right? But this time, it seems to be for good. And with the last uh, Miyazaki film directed that was released called The Wind Rises, mm-hmm. um, he seems to be uh, making good in that promise, unfortunately. And now, the studio as a whole is... Uh, taking some time off to determine how they will progress into the future and, mm-hmm. and the possibility has also been raised that they're going to shut down completely. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. That's um, I was too just bad. about to ask you, yeah. why, why is it too bad? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, sounds, it sounds obvious, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, because um, all of this Ghibli smooth, um, anime, mm-hmm. they all have like same... Um, similarities I guess from mm-hmm. each of these movies you could actually pinpoint the themes overall mm-hmm. themes of um, their anime mm-hmm. um, it's all I might say at the first cl- glance look like innocent storyline like you know childhood mm-hmm. um, new places um, all well um, like drawn by hands all of those um, types of um, mm-hmm. anime so it was really it, were, it was really such a break from all of the CGI, like you mentioned before. Mm. Like um, all of the uh, Pixar's anime out there. Mm. So, again, they have a very distinct style. Mm-hmm. Um, might, and I don't know, whenever I watch any animes from Ghibli, it always taken me back and it's sort of like reminiscing the way before, mm. um, down the memory lane, those kind of um, feeling. Mm. So I guess when, you know, when, when they're closing down, there's not really, I don't know whether or not there are other anime that have the same style or the same sentiment feeling out of mm. the films, out of their animes. Right. Mm, uh, so. Well, we don't know for sure um, whether they are actually closing down permanently. At the very least, um, uh, one of the senior producers, uh, Toshio Suzuki, uh-huh. actually suggested that what they are going to do is to quote unquote spring clean and restructure. All right, uh, it could actually be um, in case mm. of they could they could shut down. True, but it could also. Uh, rethink about certain ways in which certain productions are done because in in today's day and age rightly or wrongly hand-drawn animation is becoming more rare and the Uh skills uh, inherent in in the producing of such art Uh is also becoming more expensive to acquire and and to maintain and whatnot because more and more people are just not seeing the value as much in Uh educating themselves and then carrying out the creation of new arts using hand-drawn um, forms of animation. So, as you say just now, we've talked about this briefly before we started recording. You mentioned Pixar, for example, mm-hmm. right? Pixar has been, going, um, has been going at it for nearly 20 years or over mm-hmm. 20 years and whatnot, and, and the emphasis from Pixar and then from Disney and then from um, DreamWorks and whatnot have, for the most part, I, I, can I say maybe 95%, maybe 99%, can I say it? it seems a bit high, but the fact is, these uh, films are all CGI based mm-hmm. for the most part. So it's become rarer and rarer and rarer for people to want to draw. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds um, silly and simple, but but the the end result is the the market is just not there. And also, Studio Ghibli is like the last. Um, defense of this very ancient art, if you like, and maybe not so ancient, but you know, sooner or later, I think it's yeah, with all know. of the computer. Exactly. Even um, Malaysia, for example, we have uh, uh, an industry, an animation industry that's growing, in my opinion, but they are largely growing towards the direction of creating um, CGI features and and mm-hmm. animated series and whatnot. So there are pros and cons, of course, but. All the same, yeah. as you, uh, you mentioned about uh, the feelings of childhood being evoked by these films. Yes, yeah. sentimental, whimsical at a part. Yeah. Because um, what I do also notice about Ghibli is that, uh, yes, they do have lots like robots and technology, like for example in Howl's Moving Castle, right? Mm. Um, they do um, sort of put a, a technology themes in their mm. anime, but again, it's always... Um, Positions with um, some sort of like mis- mystical being, 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like sorcery and then uh, the stars and the galaxy and, you know, sometimes like a deity kind of things and gods. So it was a very interesting topic because you see a side of technology that is actually quite common in most of anim- uh, Jap- Jap- uh, Japanese anime, mm. right? Like, I don't know, Bad Labor, all mm. of those robots, mm. Transformer before being the now Transformer, mm. right? They all have this... Um, love affair with technology but then um, Ghibli has actually another counterpart as the technology part in my opinion mm. because they always uh, put like a positions between technology and natures and mythical creatures with DT and all of that like exactly. I mentioned before so exactly. it's a very I don't know maybe um, I haven't seen about any anime, or maybe someone who heard this podcast could actually suggest mm. um, other studio or other uh, production house that have combined all of those technology versus environment kind of mm. themes, like what Ghibli did. Yes. Um, because one of my, well, I like Howl, Howl Moving Castle, mm-hmm. but uh, and all of the, in my opinion, watching it from, you know. A perspective of someone who's older, <laughs> not really a child, and try to analyze. Not old, all of, older. <laughs> try to analyze all of the anime. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of underlying message from all of the Studio Ghibli's production. Okay, let's let's mm-hmm. start off um, with the discussion. Let's let's start off the discussion about films produced by Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that they have um, released and produced produce and released twenty. With different mm-hmm. films, right? Officially, at least according to the Wikipedia um, list. Just before we go further, I want to emphasize that we are only looking at the feature films mm-hmm. that have been produced by Studio Ghibli, and not so much the short films or TV series mm-hmm. that they have done, because they have actually um, done a lot. Yeah, yeah, diversified a little bit into the production uh, of different kinds of animation, not just for films, but also for other forms of media and entertainment. So we're just going to look at the feature films, right? I, I was thinking of starting off right at the start, okay, with the first film, Cast in the Sky, but, you know, let's make this a bit more interesting. Your favorite Ghibli, Ghibli film? <laughs> well, it's obvious it's Spirited Away, right? Spirited because away. it was one of his um, huge hits, I would mm. say, and then again... Uh, the storyline, the picture itself, the well, all of it actually, all of the aspect of the anime is mm. wonderful. Mm. Um, even if I'm not really, even I'm like I'm only a viewer. I only watch the mid films mm. uh, or the anime. I really, really like the storyline. It's about being strong in a new place. You know. Uh, trying to figure out what to do and then find your own inner strength if I want to go somewhere like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the inner strength is important. Um, the storyline, in case uh, some of our listeners are not particularly familiar with it, is basically tell. It's basically about the story of Chihiro who mm-hmm. enters into a spiritual world where mm-hmm. um, her parents are suddenly missing and transformed somewhat into pigs, right? By a certain <laughs> witch called Yubaba. Yes. And so scary Yubaba. A very scary Yubaba. Um, Chihiro ends up taking a job working for Yubaba as part of an effort to free her parents and then return to the human world. Okay, So that's a very basic and simple premise of the story itself. Mm-hmm. Um, Wina, do you remember the first time you saw this film? I saw this film when I was um, in Brisbane, actually. Mm-hmm. I, when I was studied my for my master degree mm-hmm. and then I watch it in um, one of the local TV actually really? <laughs> yeah local TV it, that's that's the thing with Ghibli they all also shown it in like um, Australian local TV SBS mm. well at the yeah SBS and I was shocked was because the, there's an anime in mm. Australian televisions mm. and then I started watching it um, and of course yeah it's all uh, dub with English hmm. so when I watch it I was like oh my god it's, it's amazing it's uh, I no wonder it won an Academy Awards right if I'm not mistaken okay well, well if you can pick one because I'm sure that you can you know ramble off a whole list of things about the <laughs> film but if you can pick one thing that truly attracted you to the truly film. attracted me um well actually 
for me, it's the storyline mm. specifically because I'm I really like a story of like adventure type of stories mm. and then uh, being able to overcome all of your troubles. And um, at the very beginning, the main characters, Chihiro, mm. is a very is pictured as a very spoiled girl. Mm. She's um, she's spoiled and. Uh, don't want to do this and tend to be like you know scary scary cat like mm. afraid of everything but then this thing happens to her and she met all of these weird characters the deity the gods the demons I would say mm-hmm. right the non-being and all of those kind of thing and it's sort of making making her even stronger mm. that would be my particular favorite part when she's realized that um that she realized that you know um, um, I could overcome this. I could free my parents. I could go back to the mortal worlds and yeah. not stuck in the afterworld. I think it's an afterworld, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there there's several different kinds of interpretations that has been offered mm-hmm. as the the main themes of the film itself. Um, just quickly to note this. I mean, you picked this as your favorite yeah. Ghibli film. Um, Unofficially, at least, because I'm sure that you know, if we sit down and think which one is our favorite, um, it's you know, you might change your mind and, and think about Princess Mononoke and all these other films as well. I haven't are, watched Princess Mononoke. You haven't to watched be Princess Mononoke. <laughs> well, I think I watched some of it, but then I'm like, mm, I like Spirited Away better. <laughs> I think, well, I think that's a no 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 key for now. Because you should be watching it. I know. Um, it, it is one of the. It is one of the but, anyways, the, um, the, like I said, we can't uh, watch all the films. There are quite a number of the other Ghibli films that I've not seen myself. But Spirited Away, coming back to the film, it is the number one film, the highest grossing film in Japanese mm. box office history. Yes. Right? And I think it's one of those movies that really attracted. People from outside of Japan mm. to all of the Ghibli movies. Like mm. before, Spirited Away, I don't really know about Studio Ghibli. Mm. Then I got really interesting with Spirited Away and the way it was drawn, um, the themes, and everything like that. And I do start research about Ghibli, mm. and then start watching all of um, its other movies or mm. other animes. And I'm, you know, I'm really happy with all of those, um, with all of his anime. Alright. It's anime, sorry. Yeah, there, there have been quite a number. Um, I think, uh, perhaps uh, somewhat unofficially, one of his first is actually... Uh, Castle in the Sky. Castle in the Sky for Studio Ghibli. Um, Nausicaa, Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, was... Um, is that... It's, it's by him also, right? It's by him also, but it was actually done before the founding of Studio oh, Ghibli. So, officially okay. speaking, most people would not consider it as... Uh, Studio Ghibli film. But having said that, um, my first exposure to uh, Studio Ghibli films, not so much first, right, but, but a more extensive exposure uh-huh. was when I was in Korea and I was bored and the film office... Um, you was bored? I was bored. Well, you can't get bored in Korea. It's, 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 <laughs> you could be bored in anywhere. Okay, you could anyway. be bored anywhere in the world. Um, and the film office I was attached to at the time, they had a bunch of DVDs lined mm-hmm. up on the... Uh, DVD rack mm-hmm. uh, in the office and I took a couple to bring home and watch uh-huh. invariably films I've not seen yet and there's this one box of uh, Ghibli's set, oh yeah. my god so I, I ended up taking that and bringing it home and then watching it and Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is actually in that particular collection itself so uh. so you know some people say that officially it's not a Studio Ghibli film but it maintains a lot of the uh, themes and similarities that you can see in other Ghibli films, right? Like, as you say, Castle in the Sky, which is officially the first Ghibli film to be mm-hmm. um, released by Studio Ghibli and di- directed by Hayao Miyazaki and whatnot. And yeah, but there's a lot of people always think that Studio Ghibli is Hayao Miyazaki. So, but apparently, um, some of the anime is not actually by Hayao. Miyazaki. Yes, that's right. Right, right. The famous Grave of the Fireflies, right? Which is uh, Grave of the Fireflies. It's not Hayao Miyazaki, yeah, no, right? It's, not. it's by yeah. Isao Takahata. The most and my neighbor. Well, I think my neighbor Totoro by Hayao Miyazaki, yeah. right? Okay. It, 
let's, let's just put it this way. The, the, the main films you remember with Studio Ghibli is directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Mm. Everybody, everything else is by everybody else <laughs> in, in the company. Yeah. And for some people, right, unfortunately, um, does not give uh, as much um, attention to the other films. Um, sometimes it's, it's a little bit unfair, primarily because the films are actually... Well, you know, a lot of them are actually very good. Yeah, like Grave of the Fireflies. So, uh, how many have you watched actually so far? How many have I watched um, from the list? From the list. So from the list here on Wikipedia, <laughs> I've seen Castle in the Sky. Uh-huh. Is it? Oh, sorry. Is it the one with the? Uh, there's this anime character that have like hair, like like from prehistoric era. Is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure whether you're defining it properly because I, I think he that looks like Conan or something like that. I think that definition can be uh, applied to quite a lot of characters uh, <laughs> from the Miyazaki world, if you like. Um, uh, you are, I think, referring to the mm. protagonist called Paju. I think is it Paju? Am I mistaken? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't watched Castle in the Sky. See. Um, I, well, I have seen it, but um, I can't remember exactly his name. So we're just going to wait for the Wikipedia <laughs> page to load up. Because this is how we roll, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we just talk crap and, and not, really, <laughs> not really know what we're Oh, no, not that one. Uh, and I think Pazu, sorry. Pazu, yeah. which one is that? He's the, the main character, the main male character. Right? Um... I would say no. Um, I don't, we're looking at the pictures from Wikipedia now. Um, <laughs> the prehistoric. I, I, I doubt whether there's any prehistoric influences here. Although there are, there are some interesting influences um, about this, this film. Basically, it tells uh, of the story of a young girl who basically fell from the sky. And mm. there's this one guy, uh, Pazu, who she thought she fell from the sky. And then Pazu... Um, is the guy who tries to rescue her and then bring her back to, if you like, oh. uh, her home world, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but then, again, you, you talk about technology, right? And, mm-hmm. and this is one film that actually focuses a lot on how technology can be uh, misused by, uh. by different people for, for the wrong purposes. Yeah. Um, the name Laputa itself is in reference to the castle in the sky, which is... Uh, yeah. Flying city that was built by humans of the time as a way of trying to escape from an unspecified catastrophe, right? So oh, after okay. all this has happened, um, they escape um, to to these flying cities, and the only one that's left is actually called um, Laputa Castle in the Sky, right? And but people cannot find it because it has remained mysterious in terms mm. of its exact location and whatnot. So. Um, the Did point here is... Huh? This girl have the key to the Laputa, right? Yes. Uh, this girl, Shita, is uh, a very interesting character. Um, I thought that she was... Uh, how can I say this? The main character. But having said that, um, Pazu is the one who kind of takes on more the protagonist role in trying to make things happen. So I, I find that very interesting. Um, Shita is... You talked about how uh, empowerment is, is a big deal in quite a lot of his films. Uh-huh. I think that, at least in the context of this film, Pazu is the more empowered of the two main characters. Oh, um, okay. That's interesting. But all the same, the characters are still uh, young children. Or, yeah, or, yeah. That's, that's a very interesting thing as well, to, to be looking at the world from... Um, the viewpoint of young kids. Um. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like about Ghibli, though. Well, why do you like it? Uh, no, because, yeah, like I said, it's it's sort of like a childhood adventure kind mm. of types. And then there's a lot of... Um, okay, let's... Can we go back again to the list of um, Ghibli's anime? Sure, sure. Right, so, okay. Um, Castle in the Sky, main story, sort of like children, probably age mm-hmm. 10, 11, mm-hmm. 8 to 10, maybe. Mm-hmm. Grave of the Fireflies, also about um, two kids, mm-hmm. right, who's devastated by war. Mm-hmm. Um, again, children as the main character. Mm-hmm. My Neighbor Totoro, definitely it's actually more of like um, for children, mm-hmm. right? Kiki's Delivery Service is actually about a young witch that goes into a big town yes. and she has to survive on her own. Um, 
Um, that so, sounds like your adventure in Brisbane. Let's <laughs> Well, <laughs> except you don't have a fine room. Well, <laughs> well, I wish I had a fine room. That would have that been very time. convenient. Six-hour flight from Jakarta to yeah. to Brisbane, I think. Right. Kalau Kiki's okay, uh, young again, yeah, like very young. I think around ten, eleven. Hmm. Um, only yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, also a uh, uh, story of young adult. Yeah, it, it a is way. a young adult film. Um, not young adult like you know Twilight and stuff. No, like, no, but, uh, the very innocent young adult. Well, Twilight. Uh, yeah, Maybe twelve or thirteen years old. I yeah, think. I, I think it's a bit older. Um, from what I remember, this film, um, it's it's actually, a good love story, right? Well, it's a love they're story. all love stories, one way or another, I guess. <laughs> um, and it's actually something that was more uh, focused towards adults, right? Mm. Um, the entry on Wikipedia here stated that um, it's significant amongst progressive anime films in that it explores a genre traditionally thought to be outside the, the realm, realm of, of animated subjects. subjects. In this case, a realistic drama written for adults, particularly women. Okay, I I don't know how you feel as a woman, but um, I haven't watched it. But yeah, you've not seen it. But generally speaking, if we talk about films, animated films or otherwise, we rarely mm-hmm. see something that is geared towards uh-huh. women as much as it is geared towards. Um, Non-women per se. When I say women, I mean uh, it could be young girls, right? Or it could be males of of different ages and whatnot. So mm-hmm. especially, you think if you think a bit more about this, more specifically, even the Disney films, right? Mm-hmm. There's a bigger emphasis on family. Yeah. Right? You go and watch with your kids or your little brother, your little sister, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Okay. This might not fall quite into that category but it is more specific towards someone who is in that category the young mm-hmm. adult woman mm-hmm. who's still trying to find their um how can I say some peace yeah <laughs> trying to find trying to find their, their closure <laughs> well okay. if you want to look at it that way um I'm not so sure uh, about your story but <laughs> this this kind of like that as well <laughs> no I mean like <laughs> We were we were reading this plot of um only yesterday. See, yeah. it's always about reminiscing as well, like I mentioned before, because mm. she remembers um, a nostalgic and wistful for her childhood self. So she remember when she was a kid, um, you know, baby for first love, I guess. Mm. Yeah, see, childish romance, a lot of those kind of thing, and Ghibli has a lot of that, like centered around children, right. or the, at least the memory when we were a kid. Alright, I'm, I'm going to stop it there and say that no romance is childish. Um, well, I'm not saying that. I'm quoting <laughs> from Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia all, all said that. It's true. It's real. <laughs> Including romances. Oh, okay. I'm not going to go there. Let's not go there. Let's stay with. Um, is there any romance that Ghibli made? <laughs> That's a good question. That's but a good I don't question. Think... We, we oh. can go through the list one by one. Uh, the wind see. also rises, I guess. Probably a bit bromance. Perhaps, but given the fact that we have yet to watch, watch. that show, um, I don't know how much... This is a very insightful <laughs> talk about people who haven't watched Yeah, people who... We're talking about stuff movie. we have no idea about. Isn't that great? I, to- I told you this podcast is unique. You don't believe me. Now, hopefully oh, you do. Is right? anyone going to listen to <laughs> I think we can promote this to our students. Uh, I think there'll be at least ten downloads here in Jakarta. Things we haven't watched. Things we haven't. Watched. I heard it's good. <laughs> I tell you what, that sounds like a real idea for a proper podcast episode in the future, right? For now, we come back to um, this film um, only yesterday, and yeah, this is actually. A I thought you watched it already. Hmm? It's not in the set DVD set that you found in Korea. This one, uh, no, I have seen uh, it, but it's, it's a separate kind of um, effort. Uh, there's a number of films uh, I've seen. Uh, I think Howl's Moving Castle wasn't a part of the set. And was it part of the set? Was not a part oh, of the set. Oh, not? Okay, so uh, what is actually a part of the set? Well, Totoro, one Castle, of them. Castle in the Sky was one. Um, before we move on from Castle in the Sky, I do oh, have to point out that um, this film, a very interesting fact about this film is that when it was released, by Disney in a lot of the Spanish yeah. language um, countries of the world, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't very well received. Why, why is that? Because uh, it's got to do with all of the name of the places. Well, I'm guessing. Who, well, 
as it turns out, puta means whore or <laughs> bitch. And so basically, you ain't saying la puta cosa in the sky. You're talking about the whore. The, the brothel in the sky. sky. The brothel in the sky. <laughs> oh my god, as people might be. Guys probably want to know because it's mythical as well, and you have like secret codes to go into it. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because Kiki's delivery service in Spain was also changed to Vicky's delivery service. Because Kiki is another word for another Sex. thing that we haven't mentioned. Yeah, okay, then we well, should mention. Well, it's kind of related to uh, ah, or okay. like, but. Kiki apparently is, is a slang word that in, in many contexts can be taken oh. to mean to have intercourse. Um, so that's I, I could see how it could twist into another film. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. A young girl riding, don't, uh, riding don't. around. <laughs> a young girl trying to fit a, in. <laughs> a phallic object. Yeah. <laughs> and then he lives in this... Um, he's... Making elder oh, sorry, she's making deliveries. Yeah, and she, and, she, and she spends time talking to a black hairy pussy cat. <laughs> oh my god, you're so bad. That's what I'm just don't it violated the memories of um childhood. I'm not. This is I'm just saying it as it is. Um, okay, yeah. Right, so they have that. Um, Grave of the Fireflies was in it, and that was the um, saddest, I think. Arguably the saddest of all the Ghibli mm-hmm. films I've seen. It was uh, centered around two characters uh, evolved, uh, evolved, um, involved in the bombing of Hiroshima I think, uh, and um, Kobe. Right? Oh, Kobe. Yeah. Who, um, I thought it was from World War Two. It was from uh-huh. the Second World War, and it, a lot of the story was actually told in flashbacks. Um, uh, so you are oh, actually okay, okay, okay. looking at things from the perspective of characters uh-huh. who are unfortunately no longer around with us. So Oh, I, I heard it's based on a real story as well. Isn't it's it? based on a book, a semi-autobiography. Uh, Someone wrote uh, quite a number of years ago yeah, yeah, prior yeah. to the, uh-huh. making this film. So there is that cachet that this film managed to tap into, as in the established fan base mm-hmm. of those who have actually read this book. Mm-hmm. Right? So, But the interesting thing about Grave of the Fireflies is that it was released as part of a double bill, right? As in, in the same screening, you get to watch two films with oh. My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh? So you have two very different films, very contrasting tones, All right, wait, that's wait, wait, basically wait. being presented <laughs> pretty much back to back, really, right? Um, that's some... Um... <laughs> that's sweet and sour like exactly. at the same time like if you eat sweet and sour fish do, do, you, do you like sweet and sour fish? <laughs> let's not go there oh okay <laughs> I, thought that was a, I thought that was a normal innocent question no? no 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 no. I mean but it's like we're going to talk about food later on oh yeah that's right we've we not eaten yet yes so oh, okay yeah. yeah, I've also heard that um, Grave of the Fireflies is also recommended for those who want to patch things up with their siblings. <laughs> Seriously, I read it. Uh, I read it somewhere, or even like maybe my friend told me that if you want to patch things up with your brothers or sisters, watch Grave of the Fireflies together. All right, and the, you will. The, yeah, things will be okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any siblings that you can try out this particular I'm theory? fine with my siblings. I don't think we would need to watch oh, Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, you don't really want to patch anything. So. I, actually, it's about uh, brothers and sisters, right? Hmm. I have all sisters, so I don't really need to watch <laughs> it. Ah, yeah. Well, actually, it's, it's, uh, the, the two protagonists are actually uh, young girls, uh, Sasuke and Mei. Oh, in Totoro, yes. In Totoro, yes. Oh, sorry, you were talking about Grave of the Fireflies. Yes. Oh, sorry. I was talking about Grave of the Fireflies, but I think... Yeah, the themes of, um, you know, siblings and protecting each other's siblings is actually the main theme hmm. of both of Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro. Hmm. Well, the Grave of the Fireflies is actually much more severe and tragic hmm. and sad. Hmm. While for Totoro, it's, it's you know, big sister looking after for her little sister while... Yeah. Her mother is actually in the hospital, so she has to play a part of the mother slash sister. Yeah, so there's there's a convergence of a number of different mm-hmm. familial roles into one yeah. particular character. So I think uh, well, it's probably a good thing for 
to launch Gwego the Fireflies and Totoro at the same time because it was if it's like a family theme, you mm. could imagine how fit that would be. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this, um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the decision to release both films as part of a double bill at the same time, it was largely a financial one because oh, okay. um, a lot of people were not entirely sure how both of those films would actually work out. And it just so happens, um, in a way, it kind of just so happens. But of course, there's a, a certain amount of planning done beforehand where they basically just wanted to minimize the cost of uh, producing two films at the same time. And this actually, in a way, helps to increase the, the potential box office revenues mm. of both films. Mm. Precisely because if they are released separately, um, the audience might not be as willing to watch one film as they are compared to the other. So there are a number of pros and cons to this approach. It's not something that has, it's not something that has uh, worked fairly well um, to other films. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez tried mm. something uh, similar a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work out from a financial point of view. Oh, but, okay. but this one did, right? And this one yeah. did, and, and it worked out pretty well. Uh, with regards to Totoro, and... You have you seen it, though? Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, now we could actually really want to talk about My Neighbor Totoro because both of us actually watch it. Exactly, mm-hmm. right. Um, with regards to Totoro, what what are your impressions of the film? Okay. <laughs> Why are you laughing no, I mean, before you answer? <laughs> no, the thing is, I watched Totoro. So I watched Spirited Away first. Mm. Then I got interested with Ghibli's and do research and Google Ghibli's and things like that. And then I heard about this, my neighbor Totoro. And Totoro mm. was actually the symbols of Ghibli, right? Mm. So I watched Totoro. It was, you know, fun movie. Again, very family-oriented. I could really imagine watching this with um, uh, with my nieces and nephews and, you know... Uh, but not your sister. Well, yeah, probably with my sister as well. <laughs> you know, we basically sit down a family and watch this. But there is actually one scene that bothers me in terms of Totoro. Okay. Probably worked during that time because it was 1958. Yes. yes. 1958. There's a scene where the father and the two of the girls mm-hmm. actually uh, shower together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For me, watching it in 2000-ish... Whereas there's a lot of crazy things happens, mm-hmm. it sort of look wrong <laughs> in my <Okay>. eyes. <laughs> Probably it's a common thing to do during that time, but uh, well, if you translate it in today situation, mm. Mm, there's it might be something that very risky if you want to portray it as a family show. In my opinion, that that particular. Um, Shower scene. That's actually not not at all um, sexual or whatever. It's not sexual at all. Hmm. It's just you know. Uh, well, both of those girls are actually quite scary. Hmm. Uh, no, no, quite scared of the sounds and looking for. Okay, but uh, you know, for the father to protect them hmm. while they were in the showers. But I'm like. <laughs> Okay, that's just me and my adult mind. No, that's fine. Well, it's, it's not so much an adult mind. I, I said, well, there is that too, but I suspect it's probably <coughs> us maybe not being as familiar with certain customs. Yeah, of, yeah. Probably it's Japan. actually quite common, uh, quite common in Japan to do that. But uh, for me in Indonesia, uh, watching it in around 2000, it was something like, oh my god, the brothers and the girls are actually showering together. Does that ever happen in Indonesia? I don't know. I don't think so. Not in my family. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. It's always very distinct. Girls with girls, boys with boys. <laughs> yeah. So there is a, a clear separation. Based yeah. On even though it, it was their parents, I guess. Hmm. I, well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe there is actually a background. Well, you know, there's a lot of um, crazy stories happening during, you know, today's society. Hmm. Um and when I first saw it, I guess I'm just taking it too seriously. <laughs> well, perhaps, perhaps. I mean, you did mention about looking at things from a more analytical perspective, mm-hmm. right? I mean, these kind of films, these are the films that um, they're made with younger characters as protagonists. Yeah. Um, they're clearly targeted at a younger age bracket. Although, of course, that's not to say that 
older members of the audience can't get anything from the films at the same time, but perhaps with a younger perspective, um, with a if you, <laughs> if you say a less adult perspective, um, we are probably more able to to enjoy it as as it's meant to be. Because um, for me, I think it is more a portrayal of a certain aspect of Japanese culture at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't. I don't know. I I, I remember watching the scene, but I don't recall feeling all that. Um, weird about weirded it. out. Yeah. Right? yeah, I mean, it's just something that I thought was interesting. But going beyond that, I didn't. To be honest, yeah, I didn't really pay that much attention to it as well. Uh, um, yeah, I guess again, there's a culture shock watching all of this because there's again, yeah, very Japanese oriented. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, well, I'm not going to go into the probably the background of the viewers, hmm. but I'm just saying that if we want to show that scene, or if we want to be, if you want to play my neighbor Totoro in like countries that things like showering together with your father will be objected, yeah. probably they're going to get cut. We'll probably have to check to see whether our neighbor's name is actually Totoro and. <laughs> If, if it is, then I guess I guess it would uh, help to explain. But actually, the, the the father figures is um, very thoughtful and very nice. The mm. father, mm. Um, I'm pretty sure there's nothing going on. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but um, but it was just an innocent looking um, at. Uh, it, it, again, I think in the, the topics for my neighbor Totoro is about coping mm. as well because the two girls have to cope with the with the mothers being away and sick. Mm. And there is one one scene that is really um, sad because they thought their mother is going to uh, like yes. more ill and like sakit makin parah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was that was very touching when the the younger daughter. Going, want to go to the hospital because she was afraid her mother was not going to be around to eat the corn mm. and all that yeah. kind of thing. That was very touching. It was. Um, so I think let's just focus on that part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not that. We're going to be moving on uh, to discuss mm-hmm. this issue in a broader fashion. Um, but I just want to ask you, um, because all these films are inherently Japanese, mm-hmm. as in they are so strongly Japanese that mm-hmm. you can probably, you know, put, I don't know, just a random template for, mm-hmm. for the film poster. It's just a picture of a sushi there. And they just call it, you know, My Neighbor Totoro, you know, the Japanese product. Because yeah. it is so Japanese in nature. Do you think that um, this is actually an issue for us in truly understanding the story? Um, yeah, I think so. Because, uh, well, there is actually definitely a needed some some issues needed to be clarified in terms of like Totoro mm-hmm. so yeah I done a little bit of research turns out Totoro is the deity or the gods of the forest if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. well probably the real uh, gods of the forest doesn't look as cute like that mm-hmm. but yeah basically um, see that thing <laughs> we're looking at the <laughs> I was like oh my god <laughs> or anyway right. uh, it was, um, <clears throat> yeah, and there's a lot of, um, um, what do you call that, folk story, cerita mm. rakyat, that mm. we're not really aware of because of the, and the Japanese have lots of um, folk stories. Mm. And I think uh, not just Totoro, I think also Spirited Away, they have all of these characters from mm. the folk stories that we're not familiar with. Mm. But the good thing about uh, Ghibli is that somehow um, they make the anime s- seems universal in the themes. Mm. I think one of the themes, um, one of the themes that is re- that is quite clear and a lot of people actually grabbing into Ghibli is mm-hmm. because of the family theme. Mm. In my opinion, it, although they also said environmental theme, but mm. you know, family is much more universal theme, and I think international audience actually relate more to the mm. f- to the family theme. Mm. Uh, yeah, family theme. Yeah, this. Um, I think uh, this is uh, slightly slightly off topic in a way, but I, I'm reminded of a time when I was in Korea and we didn't have. I was uh, staying this. Um, Hostel. It's kind of like backpackers hostel mm-hmm. in Seoul itself, and we were uh, coming out from Jeonju that night. And the next day we were to go back, and so we had gone to the hostel and we placed our stuff there and everything. But we encountered this one really crazy person. 
um, who seems drunk mm-hmm. most of the time, and well, you know, he keeps on. He kept on muttering to himself, saying certain things and whatnot. And I just had this image of me being knifed in my sleep you know, when I'm lying there, and then he's on the bunk below me and stuff. Okay. It's, it's, a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty scary uh, proposition. And so that night, um, as a way of looking for alternative accommodations, my mm. friend and I, we actually went to one of the um, public baths or yeah, yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can actually go in there and just pay a certain amount and pretty much spend the whole time there you know, the charge. whole night right the whole mm-hmm. night yeah so it's actually very common mm-hmm. um, my friend actually went in and the only thing is that you have to be stark naked pretty much most of the time so I thought they give you shirts and things like that not so much no I mean uh, in, in, in some you, know, you do have a towel but beyond that uh, certainly at that time you don't have <laughs> much more so I was so my friend and I, we, <laughs> um, I could imagine like, oh my god! <laughs> if it were me, I'd probably bath in my towel. <laughs> yeah, we did not do that. Um, but the point is, he spent um, uh, after having a bath and whatnot. He went into the sleeping room, mm-hmm. <laughs> slept with all these other naked Koreans, um, and I just couldn't bring myself to do that. Uh, for a number of different reasons. I think primarily cultural. Mm-hmm. So I spent the whole night, I stayed up the whole night, and there's this common area near the front, near the reception, where you can sit there and you can just sit and watch whatever it is on TV. Mm-hmm. And as I basically just sat there and slept on the couch there. And then in the morning, people were coming in and out, in and out. And I see that families, families come and enjoy this activity together mm-hmm. and they're all both like all, all all of them like pretty much naked most of the time fathers and the sons and whatnot it's, uh, it's very yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very open in, in a very interesting way yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah I, I think yeah. I'm not saying that Korea is exactly the same as Japan but there are a lot of similarities between yeah. East Asian cultures so this could very well be uh, a reflection of that in a very normal way yeah so but having said that, this is not really a big, how can I say this, a big deal uh, in terms of the, the film itself because there are bigger things. Yeah, uh, the, there's a the major film. theme. That's just a particular scene that I watch in Totoro and I'm like, hmm, I don't know whether or not it's acceptable here in Indonesia. Yes, well, I think something that would be a lot more acceptable would be something like Kiki's delivery service, which <laughs> we mentioned earlier. Stop laughing. <laughs> no, Nikki. <laughs> no, okay, sorry. Nikki's delivery service. Fine. But we're not doing this podcast in, in Spanish. Oh, we should call Ruben over here and no. we'll discuss about this. Oh, wait. So, have you seen Kiki's? I have seen Okay, Kiki's. so there's another movie that we could talk about. Yes. I have to admit, I love this film. Yeah. It's, uh, it's difficult to pick out one single favorite, but I think it's easier to actually look at a group of films and then pick out a number near the very top. And I have to say, Kiki's Delivery Service... Um, it's near the very top for a number of different reasons. Number one, not that many people know about this film. Yeah, Certainly yeah. in comparison to a lot of the bigger name titles. But interestingly, since Ghibli was bought, mm. quotes, uh, by Disney, mm. um, Kiki's Delivery Service has actually been played in Disney Channel for mm. quite some time. So I guess there is an exposure of Kiki's Delivery Service. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they have actually... Uh, Bought, uh, well, not so much bought, but there was, I think, an, an exclusive distribution mm-hmm. deal between these two companies, mm-hmm. and this is this was one of the titles selected for, yeah. for international. Yeah, because again, like uh, it's a family theme. Mm. It's um, quite children, like suitable for children in terms of the storyline as well. Mm. Um, and then there's this. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm not laughing. I'm, just, I'm smiling. <laughs> I'm just smiling. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so uh, aside from that, what else that you think that is great about Kiki's delivery service? I thought the very European aesthetic was mm, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, this kind of represented one of the very visual breaks from more traditional Japanese mm-hmm. influences. Uh, we talked about just now about how strong elements from Japanese culture, society, and their folk thoughts and whatnot reflects oh, themselves in yeah. the name. But Kiki's Delivery Service, yeah, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, um, not it's, really, actually, yeah. it's actually based on 
a more European um, aesthetic. I think yeah, the, right. yeah, the area, um, the city itself, I can't remember what it's called now, but mm-hmm. I remember they, they did some research based on this and the city was actually based on an existing city in Scandinavia somewhere. Oh, so it's okay. all very... It's very European in that yes, sense. Yes, yes, right? I do notice about that, yes. And then um, the part where I think Kiki's is actually only like, I don't know, 10 or no, 12, around 12 mm. years old. And the part where, okay, she's a young lady now and she has to experience things on her own. That's very uh, European kind of um, approach, I guess. Mm, absolutely. So that's the kind of thing, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's, that's why, yeah, there's not really... The Japanese aspect. I think it's actually also shown how fascinated Japanese by the European taste mm. and cultures and so on. And I Absolutely. think Kiki's actually portraying that. Yeah. Yeah. And a- another thing that really drew me to the, to this particular film was how the there are two different worlds that constantly connect with one another. Um, uh-huh. Let me explain this a bit further. When you watch a lot of these films, usually uh, you have the, the more realistic world uh-huh. and then you have the fantastical world. Uh-huh. And for the most part, um, they are very separate of one another. Uh, if you look at certain films like uh, Castle in the Sky, uh-huh. it's actually the whole film was a fantastical world with uh-huh. very real references to something that's realistic. Uh-huh. The same goes for Grave of the Fireflies. Na- My Neighbor Totoro actually in- incorporates both, but at the same time, there's a clear separation between the two. We, uh, you don't see, yeah. for example, Totoro interacting with, with the kids' yeah. fathers as much. You know, it's, it's still very much like separated. The fan- yeah, yeah, the fantastical world uh-huh. of the small child. Um, juxtaposed against the bigger more yeah, realistic yeah. and more adult world yeah. Kiki's delivery service kind of okay. um, brings in both together you know you look at it and you think good lord there's a young teenage witch Literally. flying about <laughs> on the broom I, for me I would be quite alarmed but the residents of this city that, that, that Kiki traveled to and eventually yeah. worked in they just kind of accepted oh. her as so you she's just normal and you could fly on a broom so yeah. sure you could deliver the bread <laughs> exactly it will be faster and she was actually selling that right exactly um, I could fly with my broom <clears throat> so I could deliver the, the bread and whatnot in like a day or something exactly. like that and nobody looked at this and thought well that's a bit dangerous but it's <laughs> have... a very good idea it's very economical yeah. for us do you have a license for that young lady <laughs> yeah they don't really think of that yeah, yeah. so I thought that was interesting in, in a very positive way. So oh, yeah. In, and also in Kiki's delivery service, um, the, the, uh, she lives in a bakery, right? Um, yeah. And then uh, and she lives in a bakery and she didn't really need to pay rent and things like that. Just yeah. deliver the bread. Yeah. That's, the, that's a good deal. It's a very good deal. I think that's something that... Um, you don't have to pay. You only have to deliver bread yeah. if you are... I would have ta- I would have taken it up in Seoul. <laughs> Rent. I, I, I could have um, learned how to fly a broom. <laughs> in Brisbane, yeah. I think in Brisbane you probably would. No, be I would get lost with the wind. <laughs> <laughs> it's very windy. It is very windy. Yes, the wind rises. I guess, <laughs> yes. in, in Brisbane. Oh yeah, Kiki's <laughs> night, and I like the notions of um, being independent as well. Of course, yes. That's just a very... It's a strong theme, you know. It's about a young girl leaving her home and then going to a place that's unfamiliar and then she gradually develops into a more fully empowered person. Mm. Um, I think initially she can talk to her cat, right? There, yeah, there's a yeah, black a cat thing. called Juju or Gigi. I think Gigi. Yeah, and yeah, and she was able to talk to the cat. Um, Interestingly, though, if you do watch the English and the Japanese versions, mm-hmm. they actually have slightly different endings on this matter. Oh, really? Because in the Japanese version, um, it comes to the point where she is not able to talk to the cat, and it's actually a permanent thing. Oh. But in the English version... Um, she can. In the end, yeah. uh, it was hinted at, and it was uh, suggested that she could, again, talk to her cat. So, oh, there are di- okay. different aspects here. Even if you watch the different versions... Um, I mean, it's the same film, mm. essentially, but just a different language. Mm. Right, I, I just want to ask you briefly, um, do you think it's a good idea for these kind of films to be dubbed into... English? A, a, well, English, perhaps, but just any other language apart from the original? Oh. Or is, it, is the interest better served just by providing subtitles and then letting the, 
the other peoples of the world mm-hmm. deal with it as it is. I'm just. This is just my personal preference. Mm. Uh, I do prefer the original language and have a subtitle rather than dubbed. Okay. Because there are some elements that just missing. You know mm. what I mean? Like Spirited Away, I watch it both in English and in Japanese. Mm-hmm. The Japanese version actually spoke more to me uh, mm. rather than the English version. The the characters' voices mm. actually click better, in my opinion, if it's in a, in the Japanese. Uh, if it's spoken in the original language, hmm. so the same like with Kiki's, I think uh, I think all of them is actually I prefer to have subtitle rather than dubbed. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think um, from a familiar perspective, to be honest, I'm more used to that as well. Of course, we are not a part of the um, group of countries considered to be first world officially, mm-hmm. so I'm just used to watching. Films with subtitles. With subtitles, you know. So it, it can. I learn English by by yeah. reading subtitles as well. Absolutely, yes. So that's that's one way of doing it. Um, so yeah, so yeah. that's Kiki's delivery service. Very good. Check yeah. that out. Yeah, if you can, uh, have it delivered to you by, um, which, by Kiki can, or Nikki. By Kiki or Nikki. Um, only yesterday we've talked about Bruce as well. Watched. Porco right. Rosso. Porco Rosso. Have you seen it? Um, I'm intended to watch it, but it's actually also funny. And this is, I think, one of the characters that's blur mm-hmm. between fantasy and reality. Yes, absolutely. Because in Por- Porco Rosso, the main character is actually a pork. A pig. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, a pig. I don't know about just the, the meat kind of like. <laughs> sorry, yeah, a pig. <laughs> but, but she falls in love with um, an actual like human woman. Yeah. And it's like, okay. That's one of the things that you have to leave. How how would we define this? I mean, we have international and interracial relationships. (laughs) How would we define this? Is there a particular term in case it is? I don't know. I don't want to go there. (laughs) But it should be interesting because um, the the main characters have many uh, interesting characters, straight, what I've read. Mm. I haven't really watched it. Yeah. Um, Pompoko? Pompoko. Have you uh, watched Pompoko? But it's not by Hayao. Well, not officially. It's, it's mm-hmm. still a part of the still Ghibli. Ghibli collection, so to speak. Um, interesting. I have seen Porco Rosso, but I have not seen Pompoko. What, I, what is Pompoco all about? I've, I've, I've you seen, are very enthusiastic. <laughs> I've seen Porco Rosso. I have, I've seen Pompoko and haven't seen Porco Rosso. Oh my god. It's, the it's a mouthful. It <laughs> is a mouthful, is, yes. Um, Pompoko is basically... Now, this one is more on the... Uh, more of, of, of... Have a very distinct on fantasy, fantasy and reality. Hmm. Because if it's in Pompoko, it's basically a group of raccoon, yeah. right? Who could actually transform themselves into human. Hmm. Um, and one of, the, one of the issues with Pompoko is that... Uh, the forest that they live in is going to be, you know, bulldozed, and there's going to be a development in their forest. Hmm. So they were trying so hard to stop this development, hmm. and one of the way they could stop the development is, you know, disguised as human. Hmm. But they're all coming back as raccoon at night. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was, it was, um, it's a, again, it's funny, funny uh, storyline hmm. with actually a bigger. Uh, message. The message is again: you have to be very careful uh, with nature's environmental issues, definitely. Um, but I think one of the issues as well with Pompoko mm-hmm. is, uh, in some ways, it's actually trying to see that there is a human traits mm-hmm. in all of these animals. So mm. instead of berperi kemanusiaan, they're yeah. like berperi kehewanan. I think yeah, we, we, we often talk about the universality of, of these films. We really talk about how we see certain animalistic traits in human beings as well as certain humanistic traits in, in There animals. isn't humanistic traits in the in animal in all of these raccoon. That's why they they uh, could actually discuss themselves as human very well hmm. because again um, and I think in a way it's sort of trying to make fun of um, people that tend to be like 
work hard, no break. Because mm. one of the scene that I really enjoyed is that whenever they, okay, the raccoon or the tanuki, what they mm. say here again, and this is another folklore uh, or folk story that we might not be aware of or mm. be accustomed with, and uh, because it's a Japanese folklore, mm. uh, turns out that all of this raccoon. Raccoon is known as a very lazy animal. Right. So there's this one uh, raccoon that said, that said, Hey, guys, uh, beware. There's a lot of development around us. And mm. and uh, we no longer have a place to live. And, <laughs> and they were like, Yeah, we'll work it out later. Right now, I'm just going to go to sleep. And I'm not... Just live for today. Think yeah. about tomorrow. Carpe diem. <laughs> like those moment. kind of things. And then, uh, and then they, you know, summon the higher power to turn into human. Hmm. And whenever they're going to lose their power, hmm. they, they, their human characters started to have raccoon eyes. Mm-hmm. Which is what we like if we work too much or <laughs> if we watch too many, uh, lack, lack of sleep, those ah. kind of things. We look like raccoon. And I'm like, I think they're making fun of the yeah. <laughs> animal in us. Do, do I look like a raccoon now? Because I feel like I've not had enough sleep. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> not, that, let's not go there. 